0: Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 174.
1: All of a sudden, you're like in business because you had this thing you like to make and people started asking you to make it for them.
2: Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you so much for
0: taking a little bit of your time to join me today. I am really excited to bring you this episode because quite honestly, a lot of you have been asking me questions about Etsy and I've never had an Etsy site myself. I've talked with lots of people who have, but I can't answer all of your questions. So I wanna bring on somebody who can. And surprise, surprise, I learned something new about Etsy that I didn't know that I don't think a lot of you do either. So super excited to share that information with you. But before we get started and I introduce my guest, I want to reach out to all of you who are out there listening who are feeling like you want a little bit more motivation or a little bit more engagement shoulder to shoulder with people who are trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do, start and grow your maker business. If that's the case, I invite you to join me over in my private Facebook group, called Gift Biz Breeze. You know, when you start out with your business and you start thinking about it, it's so fun and exciting and it's rewarding to think about what your business could be. But then when you get into the thick of things, it changes, it gets stressful, and sometimes it gets really scary. Well, when you join us over in the breeze, it's like sitting in the park with friends who bring you all the support and the answers that you need and that you've been looking for because a lot of them have been in the same boat you are or they're going and experiencing the same things right now that you are. So you have a lot in common. You'll have access to a group of amazing creators and we also provide tools and resources to help you really get traction and grow your business. To join the group, just jump over to giftbizbreeze.com and I look forward to seeing each and every one of you over there. And now, let's talk Etsy and let's get on with the show. Today, I am honored to introduce you to Danielle Spurge of the Meriwether Council. Danielle is a maker and craft business consultant who loves iced lattes and pop music. Through her work at the Meriwether Council, Danielle teaches creative people how to turn their crafty tendencies into profits. On her blog and podcast, Danielle aims to inspire and support makers in business and share insights from her eight years of experience selling handmade work online. Danielle believes in celebrating the reality of gainful self employment through craft and wants to help more artists, crafters, and designers share their work with more confidence. Danielle, I am so excited to hear your story. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: So I do something a little bit different, but I think you're going to get this. This is going to be right in line for you. And that is we have our listeners get to know you in a creative way. And that is by having you share what you're all about through a motivational candle. So if you were to create your own candle with a color and a quote, what would your motivational candle look like?
1: So my candle would be a nice aqua blue, sort of a Tiffany blue. I know that's a copyright infringement, but I would
0: definitely prefer it to be that color. Well, we all get that color. So it's perfect. We understand. (laughs) Just for
1: the visual. We won't call it that, but just for the visual. Nice Tiffany blue. And my quote would be, simple is better, which is a quote that I actually have on a piece of jewelry that I wear every day. And that's just something that keeps me in line, keeps me focused (laughs) when big ideas get in the way of getting things done.
0: Oh, so don't be too complicated. It's better to get things done than to procrastinate or make it so big that it never happens. Exactly. Got it. Simple is better. I like it. I haven't heard that before. So I like when I'm hearing new things. Cool. Makes us all think. So wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit of your backstory. I'm really, really interested and I know our listeners will too about Etsy. So I want to talk about that. And I know you used to have your own store and now you've morphed into something else. But give us a little bit of all that background.
1: Yeah, of course. So I do actually still maintain my handmade business and my Etsy store. And what is that? What's it called? Everything I do in business is the Merryweather Council. It just has sort of evolved over time to be this two-part business. So when I first started, I was selling my hand embroidery online. I was doing custom hand embroidery with an emphasis on text and letter forms and personalization. And that's still what I do today in my handmade business. But I have also this other part of my business where I work with other makers and business to support what they're doing and help them do what they're doing better and be more profitable and sustainable and happy with what they're doing. <laughs> so those are the two parts of my business as they stand today, this, I guess, service side and product side of my business. But when I first started, like I said, it was 2010 and I had just graduated college. I was supposed to go to graduate school, but I decided not to because of a very long and complicated story. But I decided not to go to graduate school. And so all of my friends post uh, college graduation had all of their plans and their jobs and they knew what they were going to do. And I didn't. (laughs) So I started my handmade business. That's something I was always really interested in. I majored in 3D fine arts with a concentration in fibers in college. So I had this BFA and I was always really interested in the maker economy and going to indie craft fairs and things like that. And I went to a college in Boston where there is a pretty robust scene for that sort of thing. So I was always seeing that and I was really intrigued by people who are just making things and selling them. And so I thought, what better time to try something like that than right now when I don't have anything else going on. I wasn't married. I had no kids, no pets. Nobody was depending on me. (laughs) I just had myself. So that's what I decided to do. And I know that that's sort of a unique situation to be in a place where no one is relying on you and you don't have anybody to support besides yourself and you don't have any other
0: responsibilities. At your stage in life, then just getting out of school, it's the perfect time you don't have a spouse, you don't have children, you, you haven't built up a mortgage necessarily yet, none of that. So how right. did it go? Share with us a little bit of the first years of your business, maybe let's say, like you're getting started, how did the growth go?
1: So I was getting started and one thing that I think I kinda got in on embroidery at like the right time, it was sort of becoming like cool, I feel like a lot of crafts have to kind of shed their old ladiness and become cool again. Mm -hmm. And I sort of was entering into embroidery at a time when that was happening and possibly was even like part of that happening. So it was kind of like lucky timing in that sense. But I spent tons of time like researching, asking questions, reading articles, trying to educate myself about the business side of things and the online selling side of things, because that was where I learned nothing in college about any of that. I had only learned like skills (laughs) and fine art things, conceptual
0: art things. Well, I think a lot of makers, that's what happens because all your specialty is in your art. Absolutely. You know how to use the equipment. You've learned different techniques. Maybe it's materials, your blend, like whatever. Right. Right. And you never really think of business at all.
1: Yeah. And so many of the people that I work with, I'm sure you see this all the time, too. It's sort of like become business people accidentally (laughs) or like all of a sudden you're like in business because you had this thing you like to make and people started asking you to make it for them and you started charging people or it's not like you woke up one day and you were like, I have this great big business plan. It was like, I have a thing I like to make and I'm going to try to figure out how to sell it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's kind of where I was. And so I did spend a lot of time making things, but also spent a lot of time figuring out how to sell them. So that was like the first year of business for me was just like figuring it out, like trying stuff, experimenting with things, trying different products. Because I had a lot of time to try things I did (laughs) but also like in reality I had a lot of time because I didn't have like another job I had to go to or whatever but in my head it was like now or never so I had to get it done immediately right in some ways there was a lot of time and in other ways there wasn't and so I just tried everything I got on Etsy and that was very quickly realized that was like the best tool I could be using and so I really dove into that And a lot of research and a lot of craft shows and a lot of trying things was like pretty much how I would describe the first year of my business.
0: So someone who is now just starting business, do you have any advice for them that could jumpstart them based on something that you learned during your first year of business?
1: There's so much to know. And like, there's so much that you could know, but that you don't need to know. And it's hard to figure out what is actually relevant and not relevant. What should you care about? What's not even worth your time thinking about? And so for me, because I had time, I spent a lot of time reading everything, absorbing everything. But if I were to tell somebody who is brand new, I'd be like, find somebody who knows and go to them or like find a resource or two that you really trust and stick with that and don't get sucked into Pinterest black holes, like endless loop of one video after the next, like find a really solid source and stick with that because otherwise it's so overwhelming to dig through all of this information on your own. I feel like that is a huge time saver yeah, <laughs> and a sanity saver because there's just so much out there. It can be so overwhelming to dig through all of it.
0: Yeah, I like that you're talking about this because I think people also get into the mode of they're doing actions because they're watching something or they're reviewing something. And so they feel like they're working, but they're never actually getting to work that will build a business or make money. It's all research, it's all learning. And I don't know, I kind of think people, like that's the easier part. But then when you actually put your own stuff out there and the proof is in the pudding, if people are gonna like it, That's the harder part. Yeah. And I think people stay in the easier part for a long time before they'll really try.
1: Yeah. And I think that by limiting what you'll give yourself access to, you kind of force yourself into like, okay, well, I did all of that. I looked at all of this. I read all of that. Now I have to actually like do something with this information and try one of these things. It's obviously going to feel overwhelming, like no matter what. And that's another thing I always tell people, too, is there is no way to reduce overwhelm in the sense that if you're just starting something and everything is new, it is going to feel overwhelming. (laughs) Like there's no way to save yourself from that. But you can alleviate some of that just by doing things. Read something, try it. Watch something, try it. And then you can decide, is this worth spending more time on or not? You have to just kind of accept that there's going to be times where it is really overwhelming. And that's the end of the story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Accept it and try it. And it doesn't mean that if it doesn't work, you're a failure. Try it and either tweak or try something different if you didn't get the results that you wanted. And then keep going. And the thing is, like, you have
1: to, at first, it is going to be overwhelming and there's no denying it. As time goes on, you have the option to be overwhelmed or not. Like you were saying, people just get stuck in this, watch things, read things. You don't have to keep doing that. You can limit yourself and give yourself the space to actually use the information.
0: Absolutely. So at what point did you start transitioning and what was the trigger for you to say, oh, you know what? I want to help people do exactly what I'm doing now. How did that occur?
1: I was doing my handmade business like full time for about four and a half or five years. And then my husband joined the Navy. I met my husband in art school, which so it was a little bit. (laughs) You left out the part about getting married, Danielle. (laughs) I did. I'm sorry. Somewhere in between there, I got married. Okay. And then somewhere after I got married, within the first year of us getting married, my husband joined the Navy and he went off to officer training school. And we were gonna be moving, but we didn't know where. And I just felt like I need something that I can do, regardless of if I have all of my stuff with me. And because over time I had gotten so many questions, and people were always reaching out to me. And at the time, Etsy teams were a really big thing. Not so much anymore, but they were a huge thing when I first started on Etsy and just like a lot more Etsy based community amongst sellers. And so I was in constant communication with a lot of people who wanted to know what I knew and social media wasn't as huge in 2010, 2011. Right. But over time, I had people reach out to me. I love to talk to other people about what they're doing and help them if I can But I felt like it was really disjointed. So I was like, let me just do something, consolidate all of this that I'm doing with people one-on-one into blog posts or something that is more deliberate and intentional. And that was a good transitional project for me to work on while we were sort of in this life transition as well with the Navy.
0: Sure. Well, it sounds like a perfect coming together because people were approaching you wanting more information. And then you also had this life switch that you were doing. So you saw two opportunities, you put them together. And that's what you did. Perfect.
1: Yeah, so it was really nice to be able to so like, I love crafting and embroidery and sewing and cutting things up and putting them back together. But I'm also like a super tech nerd. And I love to play with gadgets. (laughs) And so it was really nice for me to be creative in those ways as well, like doing more laptop work and video stuff and recording things. Like I love to do stuff like that too. So for me, it's really the best case scenario is I still have my craft business and I have this other part of my business where I get to do all my like nerdy gadget things and help people and talk shop, which is like my favorite thing to do.
0: I see all of our listeners, when you say the nerdy tech stuff, cringing on the other (laughs) side. Oh, no, not me. (laughs) I know. I
1: know. So many people hate it, but I'm like, I love
0: gadgets. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, you know, Danielle, one of the reasons I was so interested in having you come and share with our audience is all about Etsy, because we haven't had a lot of people on talking about Etsy. We've had a few, but not a lot. But also you take it to a different level because you talk about having your store on Etsy, which is where I want to go first. But then what you can do to enhance your web presence for even greater exposure for your business. So I want to dive into that whole realm now. So first, let's talk Etsy a little bit. And let's start as if some of our listeners, I mean, everyone pretty much knows Etsy. But Etsy today, not of when you started because, yes, it's changed quite a bit. Would that still be your platform of choice for someone who's a maker who's just getting started now?
1: Yes, it absolutely would be. Even though Etsy has changed in some significant ways, it's not changed in the way that matters to me in terms of making that my answer still. Like, yes, that's the place I would suggest you start. And it's actually gotten even better for the reason that it is attracting a lot of traffic on its own, regardless of whether I as an individual seller or anyone else as an individual seller lifts a finger to try to drive any traffic there.
0: So the SEO, you'd say of Etsy overall, just as a platform is strong?
1: Yes, Etsy is attracting this very large audience of warm and interested and also influential people. And That's the most valuable thing about it for us as sellers. So yes, if you can tap into that SEO thing on Etsy, that's great. And just being present there and thinking about Etsy as a tool is huge.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's why I think it's the best tool available to handmade sellers right now and the best platform that handmade sellers could start on.
0: I kind of feel like when someone goes to Etsy, they have their wallet already right next to them. (laughs) Not in the other room, but they're intentionally going to that platform to look for something that they're liking. Either they need it for a present or they're just kind of scoping around because they're in the mood to get something new, but they're in a buying mode.
1: That's the thing is that people sort of, I think, forget, even though we all know, we just kind of forget. Etsy is an e commerce platform. My people and people in this creative realm, of course, love Instagram okay, Instagram is super fun. But Instagram is not an e commerce platform. There are certainly tie ins to e commerce and people have set it up so that they can make sales through it. And they have those shoppable posts and stuff like that now. But it's not like the normal process is not I need to buy something, let me go on Instagram.
0: Right? Well, and some people feel it's an intrusion too. still, I know more and more people are buying on Instagram, but it's not that mental state like we were saying, go and be ready with the intent to buy.
1: Yeah, and I mean, certainly I have seen things on Instagram that I'm like, I want to buy that, like just happens to show up and I'm like, oh, I want that. And then maybe I go and buy it or I bookmark it for later. But that's a byproduct of Instagram. To me, it's not like the purpose of Instagram, whereas the purpose of Etsy is to buy and sell things, right? There's also significantly less people vying for anyone's attention on Etsy than there are on Instagram, which is huge too. Instagram is like an ocean of 1 billion users. And Etsy has 20 million shops that may or may not be active at any one time. So your numbers are a little
0: better. (laughs) How do you feel about Etsy as the platform in addition to your own website? Or can Etsy be... Its own website onto itself, like that's all you need? Or do you also think you should have your own website?
1: I always recommend having both.
0: Thank you. I was crossing my fingers that you were (laughs) going to answer that way. Yes.
1: It would be wildly irresponsible for anyone to say you should only be on Etsy. Certainly, some people that is all they want and they understand. But if you want to have a business that's sustainable and viable into the future, that is, power comes from you, it's really important to have that autonomy. Also, because I think we can all understand there are risks of some people like to say it's like building your house on someone else's land. Exactly. If something happens, or if some ill will befalls Etsy, or if your account gets closed, there's so many different things that could happen either accidentally or because of Whatever reason, something goes astray on Etsy, you really want to have your own site as well. And I think people should really only be promoting, like sending their hard earned traffic to their own website rather than to Etsy, because there's no real way to say like, oh, this traffic is only coming to me on Etsy. It's so simple for someone to come into one of your listings and then one click and they're somewhere else and they're never coming back. So if you're going to send either especially paid advertising traffic somewhere or your hard-earned social media traffic, your email newsletter traffic, I would strongly suggest Mm -hmm. sending all of that traffic to your own domain where it's all about you. And you're not having to combat hundreds of links on any given page of your Etsy that go elsewhere.
0: So your own website is your home base, let's say. And then Etsy is kind of a prospecting funnel and a sales platform at the same time, just like you were talking an e-commerce platform, that then when you attract people in and people purchase from you, then they become a customer of yours and you can drive them over to your website. Correct,
1: yes. That's like the ideal situation, right? Like let Etsy bring you traffic and then you can sort of retain that traffic for the future, hopefully on your own site or people become fans of you, your brand, your product. I mean, there's definitely like, don't get me wrong, there's massive amount of pros to having Etsy, in addition to the fact that like, you're separating yourself with your own website. But when Etsy is glitching out, there's someone on it, someone's figuring it out. (laughs) They want to make it work. But when your website is glitching out, like you're sort of more on your own about it. If something goes wrong, you're the only one who has to figure it out. So there's definitely like benefits to that power in numbers thing of Etsy. So I really do strongly suggest that people have both because Etsy could be a backup to your own website too. Like something goes wrong over here. Okay, everybody come over here today. And in that case, obviously, it would be fine to send people to Etsy. But you really want to be having Etsy, like you said obtaining these prospects. And then you, when you are out there hustling to get traffic somewhere, get that traffic to your site.
0: Okay, wonderful. So I want to dive now into this upper level of what online presence can do. And particularly, I think you're talking through Etsy. When I'm looking at some of the information that you provided me, I know there's names here that our audience would salivate over in terms of exposure, mm-hmm. such as the Today Show, Better Homes and Gardens, HGTV, People Magazine, et cetera, et cetera. How does that integrate in, or let's talk a little bit about why you bring those up and how all of that can be achieved through an online platform like Etsy. Okay, Gift Biz listeners, did you just catch that? There's an opportunity on Etsy to get in front of some big brands. How do you do it? Stay tuned. And Danielle is going to tell us right after a word from our sponsor.
2: This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of The Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information.
1: Yeah, so like we were saying, Etsy is attracting all of this traffic to itself. And that traffic is not only people who want to buy like today, or who are looking specifically for something to purchase today or in the near future. It's people who are influential, like bloggers, people who want to write articles, people in the media, people who buy for celebrities, people who dress celebrities or
0: actors and actresses on TV. Because they're always looking for content,
1: right? Exactly. One of the like, literally just last night, one of my course students sent me a message. And she was like, is this legit? This looks legit, but I don't know. And it was a message from someone at HGTV magazine wanted a sample of one of her things for photo shoot or something. And I was like, that's absolutely legit. You can tell like from the email address that the person gave her or whatever, at hearst.com, all this stuff. I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Those people are out there because they know of Etsy as a place to go for things that you can't find at Target or Amazon or Walmart or whatever. And it's cool for them to find cool stuff. Right. And they want stuff that's different and interesting for their audience. And so Etsy is attracting those people just as much as it's attracting people who want to make just a one-time purchase. So it's awesome to make one-to-one sales, but it's more awesome in some ways to have these... To cultivate media or features, whether you even realize they're happening or not. We have a lot of people who've gotten picked up for BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed publishes like 40 articles an hour or something. (laughs) There's so many opportunities for gift guides and lists and blog posts and things like that that are not one-to-one sales. They're not going to increase your Etsy sales number directly immediately, but like they could potentially boost your sales significantly over time. Being on the Today Show, being in a magazine, being on any sort of show, having any sort of media attention like that is so massively important and meaningful to a small business. And because of what etsy is and how etsy has established itself over time it attracts all of these media people and influencers so the opportunity for sales exists but the opportunity for like bigger things like licensing deals even exists as well just as much on etsy and if people can appeal to that then they really set themselves up for some good prospects in terms of going beyond that One time sale.
0: Is there a way to not just sit back passively and hope that you get found? Is there something proactively that people can do that puts them in the line of visibility with some of these people?
1: I mean, I definitely think that if you can appeal to Etsy, like what is Etsy saying right now is currently trendy, or like what are they promoting actively on their newsletter or Instagram or Pinterest? And tapping into that, Etsy's really good about giving a lot of clues <laughs> to sellers. Here are the colors that we're promoting this season. Here are the motifs or whatever popular animal, <laughs> whatever things are currently really trendy. And they sort of set trends, but they also obviously tap into whatever is globally trendy or nationally trendy and if you as a seller can sort of align your products to that you put yourself in the running to be featured by etsy right and then obviously being featured by etsy is awesome because then you get all this free promo to that warm audience of buyers and influencers so that's one thing is just paying attention to what etsy is currently interested in and then doing what you can to align to it. Obviously, it's not always possible, but that's definitely an active thing to do is to pay attention and do what you can to put your products in a light that aligns with those trends or whatever is currently being featured or promoted.
0: My guess is that you shouldn't redesign your entire product just because it is now the current thing. Like you still want to stay true to what you are doing and some trends will fit with you and some trends might not
1: exactly and that's exactly what i mean is like you want to sort of
0: pay attention
1: to what they're doing so that you can see oh they're promoting this thing and some of my stuff relates to that thing or could relate to that thing and i never even thought of it before but it absolutely could sometimes they get on these trips with like very specific colorways. And they call them very specific things, like it'll be dandelion instead of yellow. So if you have something in your shop that's that shade of yellow and you've just been calling it yellow or you've been calling it some other thing, you can simply adjust that to be, okay, now it's dandelion yellow. That's what Etsy likes this week or this season. Little things like that, just paying attention can be real game changers if you hit it right. And then, of course, just staying on top of. What are the steps to take to be seen and relevant? And obviously having beautiful photos (laughs) never hurts anybody, can only help. And things like that that people hear over and over, but that become so ubiquitous that we like kind of forget them. Or how many times have you heard, oh, good photos, good photos, but like, what does that really mean for this platform? Right. Making your photos so that they can do the most work for you. That's really what I want people to do is make Etsy and all of the things you put into Etsy work for you for this purpose of attracting this audience that is buyers and influencers
0: sure because I'm thinking if you get a product that they're highlighting let's go with your dandelion still but and so you've renamed let's call it a candle because I love my candles and you call it a candle dandelion whatever and then someone is interested in that and then they go over to your Etsy listing and they see a crappy picture, then you're probably knocked out of the running of being able to be further promoted, being invited on a show or anything.
1: People probably wouldn't even click through to begin with if the photo is bad. And sometimes you don't even have to be the person being featured in an Etsy email or something because they'll pick some picture that's beautiful for their email. But then you click it and it goes to a page where it's just a lot of things that fit that category or that search term or something. And so if your thing aligns and is positioned to show up, then it can. And like you just got all this major traffic off someone else's back, though, or just by being aligned to the right thing. And so that's where... The pictures really do come in because no one's going to click through if it's a bad picture. So there's really no point in ranking really well if no one is clicking through your images.
0: What other top information would you give to someone who's looking at going on Etsy? So it's good photos, aligning with current trends where applicable. Do you have a couple of other things that you would say to someone who's just looking at this platform and really thinking they'll do it so that they can be aware?
1: Yeah, well, I always encourage people to really go for it. Don't list like three things and call it a day. Have a decent amount of inventory, just like if you were opening a real store. You would never open a real store with four t shirts and call it a day. The rest of the store is completely empty except for your four t shirts. Like, you need to give people a reason to look around, give them a couple different things to look at, a few different ways to sort of interact with your shop and your products so what would be a minimum? For me, I mean, straight out of the gate, 30 is usually a good number to aim for, because it really is a numbers game. The more listings you have, the more opportunity you have to be discovered and be visible. So that's pretty major. I mean, 30 listings is not even a huge number, but it's a good number. And then over time, you can work up to a number that feels comfortable or that makes sense for your business. Okay. So stock your shop, basically would be a good way to say that don't just stop at five things. And then be really, really intentional about what you put in the shop, because you don't want to just be like, Oh, I can make this, this, this and this. And so I should sell all of those things. You want to have like a clear product line. I mean, that would really go for any platform, hopefully, but Something that makes sense, you really want to think of your shop the same way that you would think about if you were building out a brick and mortar store. You would want it to look like it goes together. You would want it to be really cohesive and this item looks like it goes with this item, looks like it goes with the next item. And really consider like
0: merchandising and how items go together. So you're a specialist. You know, we talk about niching down now all the time. So you're a specialist. You're known for X. So your Etsy shop should look like that, I'm assuming. Now, I do know of a couple people, and actually someone we interviewed a while back has multiple Etsy shops. What do you think of that? Is it a good idea if your products are different?
1: I think that it would be cool if Etsy made it a little easier for people to manage multiple shops. I've never had more than one shop, Mm -hmm. but I have heard from several people that it's hard You have to have different email addresses and you have to have different logins and all this stuff. So it's not as easy, which I think makes it difficult for people to maintain to to the level that you'd want. I know some people can pull it off for sure. For me, it really comes down to if the products are completely different and have completely different audiences, then yes, it makes sense. But if the audience for the products is similar or the same, I think you can pull it off in one shop Mm. and that's probably to your benefit because obviously then it's easier. You don't have to maintain two different things and you can synchronize your marketing efforts better too. In that case, you're appealing to one sort of audience instead of two. So I think if the audience is similar, you can make your products look like they go together in one shop. It really depends on what's being sold.
0: It probably depends, yeah. And it's just kind of occurring to me strategically. We were talking earlier about having a website and an Etsy shop. You know, if Etsy was your, I'm not going to say lowest cost, but it appeals to more people, let's say it's candles again, that could be what you put in your Etsy shop. But then when people jump over to your website, maybe it's candles and it's pottery that's made to hold the candles or, you know, whatever extended items, maybe all that sits on your website versus having three etsy shops right maybe i don't know just an idea yeah i think
1: it really depends on the setup and the person and the products for me i'm like if i have three etsy shops i'd want to have like three very specific brands and i don't know i feel like it would just be hard for me but some very like intrepid people can make it happen
0: All right, so Danielle, you're dealing with your Etsy shop. Now you also are a coach to other business people, right? And you're teaching them how to do what you do. How do you work through your days and how do you get everything in during a day?
1: Well, every day looks a little different. I'm really not a creature of habit, I get very bored very easily. <laughs> I have to keep things exciting for myself. Some days I'm doing more of one thing than another, but generally I spend most of my time doing like computer work, which for some people probably sounds horrible, but because I'm a gadget nerd.
0: (laughs) You love that techie stuff.
1: (laughs) Yep. So I do spend most of the day on the computer because right now in my business, my focus is on the people instead of the products. I am spending more of my time doing that. But as we get closer to the holidays, I'll be doing more product stuff.
0: Oh, so it changes based on the time of year for you.
1: Yeah, for me, it does right now. My husband and I, we just moved a couple months ago. (laughs) And so we're still like kind of settling into our new place. And so that kind of like life stuff seems to come up a lot.
0: Yeah, how dare that life stuff come up?
1: (laughs) I know. And you know, what's that about? (laughs) military stuff it's just you never know yeah so seasonally things change but I try to stay as productive as possible by making a lot of lists both on paper and digitally and I've gotten better about allowing other people to assist (laughs) with things that's good yeah that can be hard, but I try to not, like, overwhelm myself with to-dos for the day. Like, the night before, I usually, like, make a list of, like, these are the things that have to get done tomorrow, and then these are the things that would be cool if they got done tomorrow, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So not to overwhelm myself.
0: Are there any apps or anything that you would share that you see yourself going back to that really help with your productivity?
1: Oh, yes. I'm a big fan of Trello. I know a lot of people do use Trello and a lot of people are still discovering it, which is cool to me. So it's still like sort of new.
0: Share with the audience what Trello is.
1: Okay, so Trello is, it's actually a very simple web-based app or platform. I guess you could call it an app, but it is web-based. You can have an app on your phone, which is very convenient. It's basically like a list maker, but you create these boards very simple. They're called boards. And then within a board, you can have these different lists and you can title your lists and you can add little markers to them, drag and drop things, which is amazing, an amazing feature. I love to drag and drop things from one list to another. (laughs) You can upload documents, files of any kind, images. It's especially great if you're working with another person or a couple of people on something you can all sort of bypass email and just put things in your Trello, which is amazing (laughs) if you are the kind of person who gets a lot of emails about little things. Or you know, when you're working on a project with someone and it's like, okay, I'll do this, okay, I'll do that. Like a thousand emails, that's just like, okay, okay, okay. So you can sort of bypass your inbox through Trello and that is where I organize all of my stuff. I don't even know
0: how I functioned in my life before Trello, but (laughs) I
1: put everything in there.
0: I feel the same way about Asana. Yes. Yeah, if I didn't have that, I don't know where I'd be.
1: It is very similar in some ways to Asana, though I think Asana is a little bit more robust in some of its functions. But some people are like, oh, I hate Asana, but I love Trello, or I hate Trello, but I love Asana. Either one. I've used both, and I like both. I just tend to use Trello more because I don't need all the bells and whistles of Asana. But yeah, just that kind of thing having one centralized location for all of the organization. I love that.
0: Wonderful. Is there anything else since you're such a gadget girl that you do not want to get off this call without sharing with all the listeners?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I do have quite a few gadgets, but I'm I'm pretty much like a purist in how I use them. I think that I'm, well, I've just gotten an iPad with the pencil and I've been really getting oh, no. into um, the Procreate thing, which I understand is a very, it's like a very expensive gadget just to mess around with. But if you're an illustrator or you have any sort of like design spin to your work, like this is major. This is a great gadget. The iPad. I know they make it smaller now. The one I have is the Pro because that was at the time that I bought it the only one that worked with the pencil but now they have a smaller version that works with the pencil and it's just so cool <laughs> for just random creative stuff for me I'm not really an illustrator or a designer but I still love to mess with it and play around with it and that's kind of like my fun creative stuff perfect um so I'm just only really getting scratching the surface really right now on that so perfect. but I would still recommend it
0: okay wonderful well, what would you say to a listener out there who is thinking about starting a Etsy shop, is a little anxious about it, just isn't sure yet, just has the heebie-jeebies about getting started and is nervous? What would you say to that person?
1: I would say to that person that that is normal
0: (laughs) and you kind of just have to live
1: with that little bit of nervousness. Like we were saying earlier, sometimes like it just is overwhelming. Like when you're first starting something and you don't know anything about it, like of course, that's super overwhelming. Just take your time. Don't like rush into opening your store, like really be intentional, like we were saying about how you're using it and what you're putting there. And I think a lot of people rush into it and then when it's not working, they get upset and so they rush out of it. That bothers me because I'm like, no, you just have to give it a little bit more time. So be patient with yourself in setting it up and getting it there and also be patient with it in letting it work.
0: Oh, good. That's good.
1: Yeah. You're not going to like hit it perfectly right the first day. There's still things I am constantly tweaking. I know my students of my Etsy course constantly going back in and like relooking at things to make them better or to work better for communication between the seller and the buyer, things like that. You just have to kind of learn as you go some of it, how to make it work for you. The actual fundamentals of how it works can be learned, of course, but you have to give it time to work for you and to settle into how you want it to work for you.
0: Right. And what works for somebody else may not work for you. So don't just feel like because someone else has told you they're doing it one way, then you mm-hmm. try it and it doesn't work because you may have a different audience, you have a different product, etc.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve for your specific product. And like even over the course of the first like six months, you might change what you want to sell, like you might not want to make this thing anymore, you might get a few sales for it and be like, "Oh, it's not even worth my time to make this thing anymore. Or you have to adjust your prices or whatever. Like, you just have to give it time. You have to see how it plays out for you and then make those adjustments.
0: Yep, good advice. All right, well, let's get a little bit of a peek into your future, Danielle. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is like law of attraction type thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box?
1: So inside my box of unattainable (laughs) dreams and wishes, I was thinking about this and I'm like, what do I, I guess I was trying to frame it. Like, what do I see myself? ultimately having and I'm like I see myself my husband we're able to travel we have maybe a few dogs <laughs> who are awesome and able to travel with us like in my most wildest dreams the dogs are on the plane <laughs> the dogs travel with love us. love the
0: dogs
1: <laughs> they're the cutest dogs in the whole world we are able to like I said travel but we're both still working Because we like to, not because we have to. And we're doing things that we really enjoy doing, working with people we really enjoy working with, working together. I think that would be really amazing. And that's something we've spoken about before. And just like really enjoying time with the people in our lives that we love and that we want to have the opportunity to spend time with and the freedom to do that. So For me, it's really about freedom of moving about with the people that I love and to the people that I love and doing the things that I've always wanted to do and seeing the places I've always wanted to see. So for me, that would be the greatest thing is to just have that freedom of time and opportunity to take the dogs (laughs) somewhere
0: amazing. (laughs) It always comes back to those puppy dogs. (laughs)
1: Yeah. We just recently lost our dog, so... We're not in the position to get a new dog anytime soon, but in the future, it would be amazing to have more dogs. I
0: give you just a couple months if you're a dog lover. Yeah, I know you're not replacing them; you're just, you know, bringing someone else new into the family to love. Yes, helping
1: another dog live their best life.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Share with us how our listeners can learn more about you and the Merryweather Council.
1: Yes, of course. So everything can be found at Merryweathercouncil.com, which is w w obviously. It's at M-E-R-R-I. And then weather like the stuff that comes out of the sky. <laughs> council.com. And I would love to invite your people to hop on my party bus, which is my mailing list. <laughs> the party bus. <laughs> yes, yes. And that is a place where I connect with people and send them extra sort of things, the type of content that would appear on my blog or my podcast. If people want to listen to the podcast, they can find that on my website too. Pretty much everything is there. Okay. And what's the name
0: of your show? The Meriwether Council Podcast. Okay. Perfect. And gift biz listeners, you know, there's a show notes page. So you can go back and they'll just be quick and easy links to all of this sitting right there for you.
1: For your listeners, I have a link to my free Etsy lessons series that you can maybe just add to your show notes.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes
1: just a week long, basically a new Etsy lesson delivered to your inbox. It includes an SEO training that's about 20 minutes video form.
0: So if they want to check that out, I can get you the link to that. Okay, so you're going to send that to me and then I'll put it on the show notes page? Yes. Thank you, Danielle. Is that good for somebody who is looking at starting a shop? What about someone who already has an Etsy shop?
1: Yeah, for sure. This could be for people who have had shops for a little while and want to maybe just refresh and rethink. Or for people who are Etsy curious, maybe we can call them, who are thinking about it and want to see maybe what could come up down the line for them in terms of building out their shop or optimizing it, what the options could be. That kind of thing. I definitely think it could be for new sellers or existing sellers.
0: Perfect. So, Gift Biz listeners, we'll have the link over there for you on Danielle's show notes page. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You've given us such clear insight and knowledge about Etsy. And I love this extension that you've talked about in terms of identifying trends and how you get your listings to be more visible and what that can do for your future. So I really, really appreciate your sharing your expertise here with me and my listeners today, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Are you discouraged because your business is not performing as you had envisioned? Are you stuck and confused about how to turn things around? Sue's new best-selling book is structured to help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from Sue and owners just like you who are seeing real growth and are living their dream. Maker to master. Find and fix what's not working in your small business. Get it on Amazon or through www.giftbizunwrapped.com slash master.